Welcome to the Poultry Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Hear engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Poultry Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve poultry health, welfare, performance, and food safety. And thanks for having me. Now, we've seen consistent reductions in the incurrence of salmonella in poultry products over recent years. But still every year, over a million consumers um, or a million consumer illnesses are caused by salmonella, with almost a quarter of those linked to poultry. Now, you said that reducing salmonella infections is uh, a top priority for the USDA, um, yet time has shown that current practices aren't working properly and that policies need a bit of a rethink. What's prompted you to come to that conclusion? Product contamination has been reduced reduced pretty significantly over the course of 20 plus years, but there's no meaningful reduction in illnesses. And as you noted, right, a million illnesses a day are attributed to salmonella. Of course, it's not just meat and poultry, which re-regulate its other food products and other products for that matter. But 25%, as also you noted, uh, is attributable to poultry. So, It is an opportune time for us to stop and step back and look at our approach. I would argue that whatever we are doing in terms of measuring product contamination is not targeted to the types of salmonella that are making people sick from poultry products. So with that in mind, we are looking at everything. We're looking all across, along the poultry supply chain. So you've been looking at initi- initiatives within the USDA to, to um, try and help reduce these, these infections. Um, and part of that has been to encourage poultry producers or poultry co- companies rather um, to submit pilot proposals to try and limit the, the pathogen. Why the focus on live production? Because the contamination, much if not most of the contamination enters the slaughterhouse in and on the birds. And um, I think everyone would agree, if you are able to lower the contamination, and I will add the contamination that makes people sick as much as possible, then whatever interventions there are in the plant could further reduce it to a point where we are confident the product is safe to eat. I might add, Again, in this country, we, USDA, does not have direct regulatory authority on the farm, right, in the production level, because that's the way our law was written a very long time ago. That said, there is widespread agreement that certain interventions, vaccines, probiotics, clean feed, biosecurity, all, depending on your operation, can have an impact on contamination levels. It is not a one size fits all. It's different combinations of interventions. And we believe that will go a very long way in reducing contamination that makes people sick. So in terms of those pilot proposals that you're you're trying to encourage stakeholders to, to submit, what kind of feedback have you had from them so far? Are there any particular projects that uh, that stand out? We are still in conversations with various interested parties, the trade associations and some companies. And I have to say, they're all different. I have not 
drilled down deep in them. We've got a whole team looking at them and working with them. I want to say two things. One, the reason we invited companies to do pilots is we really want to collect as much useful data as we can to support whatever regulatory and policy decisions we make related to poultry and um, salmonella. Uh, but two, separate and apart from pilots, so many companies, so many processors, and so many producers are doing very effective things to bring down levels. And we've encouraged them and continue to encourage them to share their data. Everyone agrees we want a science-based, data-driven policy. And the best policy is going to be a result of the most data, most reliable data that we can use, as well as other you know, great resources, academic studies, and other type of information. Now you've talked about using um, uh, research to, to fill gaps in some of this data that you, that you talk about. Can you give us an, some idea of, of where the data is lacking? We sample and test product in the plant. So we have some data, but it's really just a snapshot in time. What we wanna see is again, data on farm, data in plant that supports the effective policies, the effective interventions. So a lot of it is testing data. And um, you know that's what companies do much more frequently than we do. I think that's the main, the main piece we're hoping to get. There are concerns as there have been over the years uh, with uh, sharing data with a regulatory agency for fear that we would use it in an enforcement action. We believe there are ways that we can address those concerns, mostly through giving compiled data, giving anonymized data, but I can't underestimate the value that real time, real operation data, what a role it plays in us developing a policy. So it sounds like with, with some of the initiatives, at least we're still we're still in quite early days in terms of getting those uh, getting those progressive. When do, when do you think we can realistically see some of the outcomes from uh, some of these initiatives? I think my hope is that by the end of the calendar year, we can um, hold a public meeting. And before that meeting, we will present stakeholders, we'll make available to them a framework. In some instances, we'll be pretty sure about what we wanna do, still want input. But in some instances, we may be, I don't know if we should go the A direction or the B direction. Um, so we would, number one, wanna have a conversation, which is the benefit of public meeting and also written comments. And then my hope is, but I, I, I think I, I feel safe going to the end of the calendar year and a little bit beyond that, based on that um, public meeting, we will start putting out real proposals. As we move on in time, again, hopefully 2023, we'll probably roll things out piece by piece, intending that they be part of an integrated strategy 
Now, moving on to, to vaccination, um, it's been shown to lower the amount of, of salmonella actually going to a processing unit. But we've heard of situations where um, antigens from some of the vaccines lead to false positives in the plant. Is this something that uh, USDA is actually looking at? And is there a way to differentiate those naturally occurring salmonella with ones that have come through a, a vaccination? It's clearly an issue that's on our radar screen. We've talked to vaccine companies, we're talking to trade associations and processors. In many instances, vaccines are a very effective intervention. They are not uh, a silver bullet. We know that the combination of interventions is going to vary from, from operation to operation. Now, if we could just briefly touch on, on serotypes and Salmonella Kentucky in particular, it's the most common strain of Salmonella, but it isn't considered an important one in terms of, of foodborne illness and human health, uh, even though it counts against a poultry processor if it's found in the plant. Uh, is the USDA considering um, changing its inspection methods so that it accounts for the types of Salmonella and focuses perhaps more on the ones that, that are a threat to human health? We want reduction in the contamination that makes people sick, which you would argue Kentucky is not that. Okay, So we're looking at which serotypes make sense. Do we have the testing technology that enables both us and, 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 and processors to identify it. While we are focused on what we're looking at is identifying those serotypes that make people sick, we do care about overall salmonella load because that tells you something about how the plant operates. But a lot of work right now is being put in place to address all the questions and hopefully some of the answers from the larger question, should we be focusing on specific serotypes? And just finally then, we know that, that salmonella in the plant is, is part of the, the process, but, but obviously consumers have their own role to play in terms of their handling of poultry, uh, raw poultry and, and uh, understanding how to cook it properly. Um, what plans does USDA have in terms of educating the public about how to handle poultry better? We have a great deal of material available on our website. We do a lot of interviews with television news shows during high uh, consumption uh, periods like Thanksgiving and 4th of July and the Super Bowl. But let me back up here. It is primarily the responsibility of the people who grow and process food to ensure that they do everything they can to reduce contamination, number one. Number two, it is our responsibility as government regulatory agencies to make sure companies, producers and processes are doing everything they can do to limit contamination. And number three, consumers need to know and change their behavior to ensure that they minimize, minimize any risk any residual risk. And that is, yes, use a meat thermometer. Do not wash poultry. It can spread contamination all over the surface and the area and generally avoid cross-contamination to keeping knives and cutting boards. But again, I wanna be clear, the primary responsibility is on the food producers and processors. Our job is to make sure 
on the one hand, that they're doing their job. And yes, to provide consumers with the tools and the practices so they can protect themselves and their loved ones when they prepare and serve food. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com slash join.